0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, by your word we are taught. Your word tells us that blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. We pray that you will add a blessing to the reading of this word today and that you will guide the thoughts and words as we share them together. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. Amen. But we are in the second week of this little series called Urgent. Urgent. And as I told you last week, it's a four-week series that covers four qualities that can't wait. They're things that we should have done yesterday. We should do them ASAP. And we're taking this series from four little one-page letters of the New Testament. Second John, Third John, Philemon, and Jude. As I mentioned also last week that these are very brief little letters, each written with a sense of urgency, probably on one just single little sheet Papyrus. They were urgent messages that had to get to the church because they had special messages about things that needed to be done. Each of these focuses on an important quality that Christians need to learn to apply to their lives. Now, just by way of review, last week we looked at 2 John, and the message was the urgency of love, the urgency of love. And uh, I would have never thought a number of years ago I'd ever quote George Strait in a sermon. Uh, But some of you who listen to George Strait as I do every once in a while, George Strait said, if you ain't loving, you ain't living the Christian life the way God intended you to do. Y'all, I don't know if he added that, but, you know, if you ain't loving, you ain't living. That's what George Strait sings. So it is urgent, that was last week's message, that we learn to love one another. Maybe you remember that. Maybe you remember last week when Katie and I walked hand-in-hand down the aisle, you know, walking together hand-in-hand, you know, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with other people. Now, today we turn our attention to 3 John, which talks about another urgent aspect of the believer's walk, and this is the urgency of influences. In other words, it's all about choosing who will influence your life. Now, I have preached on the subject of leadership. I've actually written a book on the subject of leadership and how we can approach the task of being a positive influence on people that we lead because, as somebody said, all leadership seeks to accomplish one goal, and that is influence. But before we can positively influence other people in the name of Jesus, we need to make sure that we ourselves are being positively influenced. Now, that means that you and I need to take great care about who we hang out with. Maybe you've heard before, you can't soar like an eagle if all you do is hang around with turkeys. Who you hang around with makes a big difference because they shape our thoughts, they shape our beliefs, they shape our attitudes and our behaviors. Solomon, back in the wonderful book of Proverbs in chapter 22, said, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. You you hang around with angry people, guess what? You probably end up being angry. He's saying, don't be careful who you let get close to you, because people close to you influence you. They can lead you in the right direction, or they can lead you in the wrong direction. Now, maybe some of you have actually heard Dorothy Law Nolte's essay. It's called, Children Learn What They Live. And part of that's going to be up here. I'm not going to read it all to you, but it begins by saying, If children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. If children live with pity, they learn to feel sorry for themselves. If children live with ridicule... They learn to feel shy. Now, that goes on. It's a rather lengthy thing. It it was written by this lady as a warning to parents. I mean, literally, that's what it is. It's a warning. Parents, be careful what you teach your children. Be careful how you influence your children. Now, the flip side of this is that believers also need to learn to take a stand, to stand on their own two feet, maybe say something like this. I have decided to unlearn everything I was taught. I mean, as much as I love my parents, I'm not going to let their mistakes continue to be a negative influence on my life. Starting today, I'm going to choose to be a better influence. Some of us just need to do that. Now, there are two different ways you can be influenced, at least I, two that I can think of in my life. One of them is we're influenced kind of inadvertently. Uh, maybe you could call it influenced by osmosis, you know, where you just kind of pick up the habits that everyone around you happens to have. Now, I I hate to say this, but I started smoking when I was about 11 or 12. Why? Because my three other friends who were 11 and 12 also were smoking. Great reason to smoke, huh? No. You know, kind of by osmosis. There was a period of time when the four of us used to walk around all the time and spit, too. You know, one guy started spitting, next thing you know, the other guy started spitting, next thing you know, all four of us were spitting. I don't know why we were spitting. We were just spitting. You know, we, but we, we were influenced by one another. You know, what else do we call that? We call that peer pressure. we got to pick it up inadvertently. We see other people doing it that we hang around with, next thing you know, they're like us. I mean, y'all live down here long enough and you start yalling people, don't you? And you start fixing the do things. You, you didn't intend to y'all, and you didn't intend to fix you know, But you hang around with a bunch of yallers and fixers, and the first thing you know, you're yalling and fixing and going to do things and stuff like that. Well, the second way of influence is by intention, where you intentionally decide for yourself, this is who I'm going to listen to, this is who I'm going to be like, this is whose example I'm going to follow, this is who I want to grow up and be like. Now, today, we're not going to talk about that unintentional biosmosis. We want to see what Scripture has to say about intentional influence. I mean, who would you like to see shape the person that you become? And in 3 John, there are three things in this letter we can see about choosing influences. And here's the very first one. Choose influences who genuinely care about you. Choose people that genuinely care about you. John says, Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, here's a guy who genuinely cares about these people. Now, I was a teacher. For 18 years before I became a pastor, I have been in school off and on most of my life. You know, kindergarten through grade school, high school, college, you know, three master's degrees and a doctorate. And I still go places where you have teachers. And like many of you, you've had a few teachers along the way who didn't really seem to care much about the students who didn't really seem to care much about the class they were teaching. Their style was kind of just to dump out the facts. You know, it's kind of like take it or leave it, learn it or fail, who cares? I mean, you could spend an entire semester in their classroom and they wouldn't even know your name when the semester was over. We probably all had teachers like that who just didn't really seem to care much. Now, we're probably also, I hope all of you were lucky enough that you also had a few teachers for whom teaching was their passion, they loved it, and they loved teaching with such a passion that they could take, you know, they could take some subjects that are kind of as bland as teaching English or history, and make it really come alive. And and you just you just love their passion. You love those teachers, and and when you find out that they're going to teach this class, you want to make sure you are in their classroom. Now a guy by the name of William Arthur Ward said. Every person has the power to make others happy. One does it simply by entering a room, another by leaving the room. I don't know, is that quote going to be up on the screen? No, I guess not. I'm going to say it again. Every person has the power to make others happy. One does it simply by entering the room, another by leaving the room. You know people like that, don't you? Every chance you get, I want to suggest you choose to be the person who brightens the room by coming in. I mean, don't be the person who brightens the room by walking out of it. Now, when I seek some financial advice, obviously I would look for somebody who knows a lot about investments. I'd look for somebody who knows some money management. I'd also look for somebody who knows me, who cares for me. Not just somebody who's trying to make a quick sale, but somebody who sincerely wants me to do well financially. That would determine who I listen to. This also works on a spiritual level. I read lots of books. I read lots of theology books. I listen to a lot of different speakers. But you know who has the greatest influence on me spiritually? It's people who genuinely love me. People who say things to me that I don't even want to hear sometimes. And I still appreciate it because I know their words are motivated by a love and the desire to see me do better in life, to walk more worthy in Christ. Now, when you think about who's going to influence your life and your faith and your belief and your attitudes, choose those who have demonstrated that they really care about your spiritual future. Here's the second thing. Choose influences who walk the talk. This is a really big thing in prison. This is what I I figured out. You know, when people can come up to you and say, you know, people say you're the real deal. You know, you walk the talk. Uh, Wayne alluded to it in Bible class this morning. You know, guys down in prison sometime will say, how do I could stand up in front of night and I say, how do you know I love you? And they'll say, because you keep coming back, you're real. Now, that's very important here, too. People who can walk the talk. Now, look what John writes here again. He says, Dear friend, you're faithful in what you're doing for the brothers, even though they're strangers to you. They've told the church about your love. You do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It is for the sake of the name that they went out receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come... I'll call attention to what he's doing, gossiping maliciously about us, not satisfied with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. I don't suppose anybody is going to name their kid Diotrephes after reading that, are you? John says it very plainly and as simply as possible. He says, friends, do not imitate what is evil. Imitate what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God, he says. Anyone who does what is evil is not from God. So we say, look for people who walk the talk, who do what they say they will do. Now, several times in his letters, Paul makes a rather bold statement. And I've often wondered whether I could ever do that. But several times Paul says, imitate me, imitate me, imitate me. Follow my example. Do what I do. You know, but then I think sometimes how parents say to their kids, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Hey, what's wrong with that statement? I mean, do as I say because I do as I do. You know, every disciple ought to be able to say this. Follow me. Follow my example. Do as I do. I don't know if any of you have ever heard the story a couple of years ago. A guy named Drew Manning. This is not Archie, Man- one of Archie Manning's quarterback kids, like Eli or anybody like this. But Drew Manning is a fitness trainer who had a very unique approach to get everybody in shape. Now he was in excellent shape himself, as all personal trainers usually are. But last year he stopped working out and he spent six months eating everything in sight. And in the process, he gave se- he gave, gained seventy pounds. And I've seen the before pictures and the after pictures. I mean, this guy literally went to pot. And then he said to his fan base, follow me, do as I do, and I will show you how to go from being fat to being fit. If I can do it, you can do it. And in six months, he was back in tip-top shape again. And by his own example, he, he showed that his fitness advice is not just a theory... It works in real life. See, in choosing our influences, we need to ask the question, does this person practice what they preach? Do I see in his or her life what I hear in his or her words? I'm going to share another poem this morning. I think this will be up on the screen. Maybe you've heard this before. I'd rather see a sermon. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye's a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there is no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Now, I could probably put that in much simpler words. In the words of St. Francis of Assisi, who one time said, Preach at all times. If necessary, use words. You need to look for people whose lives match their talk. Here's the third piece of advice, and that's to choose influences with a good reputation. I mean, John talked about diatrophies. Now, you may not call your kid diatrophies after you read this, but he said, Demetrius, now there would be a name to choose for your child, Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. See, a person's reputation gives them Credibility, And there are times, I know all of us have seen it happen, when the person's reputation is either better than or worse than their real character. But most of the time, a person's reputation is exactly what they've earned. Not all the time, there are some exceptions, but most of the time, it's true. That's why Paul, in his letter to Timothy, that a leader must have a good reputation with outsiders most of the time, the reputation the person has is the reputation they've earned. Henry Ford said, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. In other words, action and accomplishments give a person a good reputation. Solomon, back in Proverbs, says, a good name is more desirable than riches. Now, why is that? It's because a good name is a whole lot harder to earn, and it's a good name is harder to hang on to. So when someone over the course of time has maintained a good reputation and is well spoken of by good people, you can put a lot of stock... In what they say, I think back to you know having a good name. I think it was Shakespeare who said, you know, let them take your coat, uh, let them take your purse, Uh, you know, that's okay, but don't let them take your name because once you lose your name, you've lost all you have. I was thinking the other day about uh, being a teacher for a long time, and sometimes when you're a teacher. Uh, you can earn a reputation as well. And uh, I I remember this kind of a funny story. Uh, Three uh, of us male faculty members walked into a downstairs bathroom in the high school we were at, and one of the teachers said, oh, no, look at this written on the wall. And it was blank so-and-so, blank so-and-so, blankety-blank so-and-so. And it was teachers' names up on the wall. And and I said, yeah, I see it. I said, just wash it off. And he said, no, look at what it says. It says, blank Jessen. Blank Eichert. And then it says, blank Mr. Cole <laughs> <laughs> He said, they, they don't like you and they still respect you. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. You know, you... Okay, another good reason for a good reputation is important because of the time factor. You know, it's really easy to make a good first impression. It's easy to wow people in the first couple of months, but the leader who can wow people ten years after they've been there probably is going to influence people. See, the question in our life is really are we going to be inadvertently influenced by the world around us or are we going to be intentionally influenced by the Word of God, by Jesus Christ, by other fellow Christians? Are you going to be a product of your surrounding and a product of your culture, you know, people you meet at any given moment, or will you choose who you will listen to and who will shape your way of thinking and doing? I mean, choose who you will allow in your life. I mean, here here are these three points. Look for those who care about you. Look for those who walk the talk. Look for those who've earned a good name. And when you find those kind of people that fit that criteria, listen to them. Spend time with them. Learn to do what they do. Now, there's one last thought, and maybe some of you are wondering, well, this is all kind of really nice advice about dealing with other Christian people, but shouldn't there be one more little step here? And the answer is yes. Next Bible passage, 1 Peter 2. What does it say? For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. See, there's your best example of all, isn't it? So that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. While it is really good to find good people whose example you will follow, good godly people whose example you will follow, they will let you down at different times. Their ways are not necessarily... Perfect, But Jesus is that perfect example that you and I can model our lives after. The word, I'll go back here, um, the word example, I underlined this. Uh, I looked up that word example and it comes from Greek elementary education. It describes the way that small Greek boys were taught how to write. They would get an exercise tablet that was kind of a shallow little box. And the box was filled with soft wax. And the students each had a a stylus, a stick. And one end was pointed that they could write in that wax. The other end was kind of flat so they could kind of smooth out the wax. They could keep using that writing tablet over and over. The teacher would gather all those tablets on the end of every day and he would take each student's tablet And the teacher would write very carefully what he wanted the students to copy later that day. And then he would draw parallel lines across to keep the students' work straight. But it was the master's writing that was the pattern. Some of you back in grade school can remember, I don't know if they still do this, but when I went to school and even when I taught in elementary school one time, there was always that handwriting chart that was up on the wall. It was the Zaner-Bloser method of handwriting. You know, man, if I'm going to make a B, I'm going to go up and down and around and around and eh, just like that. And if I'm going to make uh, another letter, boy, there was a way to do this. And you all had your little handwriting books. You know, not had these lines in them. And you had that big jumbo pencil. And you were, you know, you look at that thing and you go, hmm And you look at it and go, it doesn't look like up front. But there was a pattern which you were to follow. That's what that word means. Jesus lays out the pattern. And we are to follow his example. Well, Jesus is our example. Now you can go to the next bit. There are four different ways he's our example. First of all, he's the perfect example. I don't know who Zaner Bloser was who made those little handwriting charts. But that guy had great, or that gal, whoever it was, had great handwriting. I could never do it. But that was the perfect example. And I still get stuff from people today who can write just like that. Me, uh, I followed that pattern. Somebody said, the more intelligent you get, the more unintelligible your handwriting is. So I've been getting smarter as the years go by. I can't even read what I write anymore. But Jesus is our perfect example. He is an example of right conduct. We often hear this word in church, righteousness. Righteousness is just really all about right living and right thinking and right doing. All you have to do is, you know, that's why I have the tie on today. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus act? What would Jesus do in a situation like this? And when we see how he would do it, how Jesus came into this world and he walked the way of a humble servant all the way to the cross, all the way to the grave for us. How do we, what do we do now? We walk the way of a humble servant. One of the lessons we teach and see through the scriptures in prison is about how Jesus was even a foot washer. And what does Jesus call us to do? He calls us to wash feet as well. To humble ourselves, follow his example, to be foot washers to other people. He says to imitate himself. He was a servant. You know, what does Jesus say? I didn't come to be served. I came to be a servant to many people. And there are countless opportunities and countless ways we can do that in church and outside of church. You know, people who work at Randy Sam's and, and dispense food to those people are serving people in Jesus' name. You know, even coming down to prison and teaching for a week, I consider myself down there to serve other people in the name of Jesus. John, as you're with your family this last week, you know, through the the death of your father-in-law, and as you're there encouraging people, you're serving them in Jesus' name. You know, there's all sorts of ways. You know, Katie, as you're with the little kids, You're, you're serving them in Jesus' name. And you're imitating Jesus. You know, Jesus who said, let the little kids come unto me... You know, you get that great way of doing it, too. And following his example, it's even more. Following his example, you follow him all the way home. I mean, that's the really cool thing. Follow Jesus here, and you'll see him there. One of the great things guys tell me down in prison, they'll say, well, Doc, if we don't see you again here in prison, we'll see you up there. And that implies that they're following the same Jesus that I'm following. I mean, what a great challenge for all of us to follow Jesus. I was looking at my message this morning, and I kind of sat back in my chair, and I I was thinking that there's got to be a way to wrap this up. I I really didn't have an ending. Maybe I should just sit down and be quiet. That would be a good way to end. (laughs) And I was sitting back in my chair and I was kind of humming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I had somebody to do it. <films mondo fio> Hold it. Did you recognize that melody? I know I don't sing really great. Jesus, lead thou on. You know that hymn? I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'm going to read you three verses in closing. Jesus, lead thou on till our rest is won. And though the way be cheerless, we will follow calm and fearless. Guide us by thy hand to our fatherland. If the way be drear, if the foe be near, let not faithless fears or take us. Let not faith and hope forsake us, for through many a woe to our home we go. Jesus, lead thou on till our rest is won. Heavenly leader, still direct us, still support, control, protect us. Till we safely stand in our Father land. May God grant that for Jesus' sake. Amen.